It's time for the moment you've been waiting for. Welcome, Rachel, to the How Embarrassing Podcast. Thanks for being here. Do you want to say something? Or you're just going to stare at me <laughs> like that. You're welcome. Thanks. Uh, how does it feel to be the first woman on this podcast? I'm uh, breaking the. I'm shattering the glass ceiling. You said that with so much confidence. <laughs> that has to be the the phrase. You are shattering the glass ceiling. The first woman on how embarrassing. Um, the first woman. You, as far as I know, you're the first woman. I am the first woman. The, yeah, so um, it's perfect that you're here to talk about this movie because <laughs> this movie that really highlights women. <laughs> it, no, this movie, this movie features one woman. There's exactly one woman in this entire movie. I believe has no dialogue. Uh, no, the the wife. Yeah, does she talk? Jake Gyllenhaal's wife. Oh, oh my God! There's two women. <laughs> okay, there is the other wife. I who completely doesn't talk. misspoke. There are two women in this movie. One of them doesn't talk. The other one does talk, but it's very forgettable. But it's very forgettable. So, it's hence why I've forgotten her. I've I've just done a done a sexism. Yeah, but I forgot the other wife. So they're both. So our sexisms has canceled each other out. Yes. You did a sexism. I did a sexism. You forgot a woman. I forgot a woman. Mm-hmm. A negative times a negative is a positive. It's one big positive. We have now created the most progressive show in Hollywood. Yes. Well, with that being said, we should talk about this movie that we saw. The co- no Guy Ritchie's The Covenant, not okay. just The Covenant. Can Guy we Ritchie's please the Covenant. start by talking about? How much that bugs me? No, because I have to read my stupid intro first, Rachel. You gotta get out of yourself. (laughs) Well, I won't back down. For three weeks, this family believed you were dead. We owe that man your life. If it wasn't enough for him to carry me across those mountains, now he's hiding in a hole somewhere. I should be in that hole. You could buckle up. Originally titled The Interpreter, until someone noticed there were already other movies called The Interpreter on IMDb, it became The Covenant. Until someone noticed that there were already other movies called The Covenant on IMDb, so it became Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. Surely your dad's favorite movie of 2004. This sure-to-be blockbuster... Wait, hang on, what? Oh. Oh, really? You're saying it earned $16 million? And it, how much, it cost how much? $55 million? And it only made, oh. Oh no. I should be in that hole. Yeah, so this movie bombed. Yes. Which is fitting for a movie that takes place in Afghanistan. I guess you could say this movie IED'd at the box office, (laughs) huh, Rachel? Got him. Yeah, but for real, this movie, um, I don't know why I wanted to talk about this. I think because I think I'd already planned on like, oh, I want to start the show with Evil Dead because that's something I'm actually really looking forward to. I'm going to have a lot to talk about it. And then The Covenant, I was like, oh, it's a new Guy Ritchie movie and it's got Jake Gyllenhaal in it. And I know someone who worked on the feature. So I was like, it's probably going to be 
a moderate to potentially big hit. And I'm sure there's going to be people talking about it. And then there was some billboards I saw around town. And I think you mentioned to me that there was ads for it like every night on basketball. So I was like, okay, this is like a real movie. No one saw this movie. Like, I don't know anyone else who saw it. I don't even know anybody else who knows this movie exists. Like I told people, oh, I saw The Covenant last night and they're like, the what? Like, just nobody heard about this movie, which, which is, is shocking. funny because it's the only thing on Jake Gyllenhaal's Instagram. Is it, is it really? Like, <laughs> yeah, right now, yeah, just, yeah, I swear to God. So besides the Prada, there's like one Prada ad that he's in that's really <laughs> lame of him on like a sailboat. I swear to you, if you go to everything else on it is just the covenant. They didn't like promote the shit out of this movie, but they at least promoted it. It was a movie. Well, for that- the NBA, the NBA playoffs, there was a ton of commercials for it on the NBA play. I mean, that's a good slot. Yeah, that's millions of people watching. Mm-hmm. There's bus stop posters for it. Um, and yeah, it just it seemed to just sort of show up in theaters and then just disappear and and no one has anything to say about it except for us two brave souls who definitely uh, legally purchased a movie ticket to watch this film, definitely did not see a um, shaky Indonesian hand cam recording from a, a darkened movie theater where people walk in front of the projector and a Singaporean uh, slot machine pop-up shows up and covers the screen for 45 seconds of the movie. No, would never. No, we would never do that. We have to talk about the dumbass plot of this movie first. Yes. Before we talk about anything else. Okay. It takes place in Afghanistan. Uh, in 2018, for some reason, we'll get back to that. This guy named Ahmed is an interpreter for uh, the U.S. occupation. Captain, Sergeant, fucking whatever, Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, and his his gang of dudes who are all named like Chub Nuts and Jizz Boy and shit like that. And uh, he's an interpreter for them in Afghanistan. And um, Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal, they're, they're just tasked with like finding IED factories and they seem to hate their jobs and their lives, but they do it with such gusto because they are real Americans. And basically they're on this mission to find an IED factory. The team gets ambushed. Everybody dies except for Jake Gyllenhaal and Ahmed. But Jake Gyllenhaal is uh, mortally wounded. So Ahmed literally carries him like on his back like through the mountains of afghanistan while he's just like grunting and and screaming and crying and like the world's most epic music is playing um and he delivers jake gyllenhaal back to the u.s and then disappears jake gyllenhaal comes to from his recovery in santa clarita california of all places our favorite santa clarita he's recovering in santa clarita and then he's like I am wrapped by the guilt of this man who saved my life and I have to I have to get this man his visa because he is an American hero even though he's an Afghan translator. And so then um because of that terrible American bureaucracy, uh Jake Gyllenhaal has to do war crimes on his own and go to Afghanistan and save Ahmed from being on the Taliban's most wanted list because that's what happens when you uh, save an American. So they go, I mean, shocking for us all, but uh, he goes back into Afghanistan and saves Ahmed and his uh, wife, who doesn't say anything the whole movie, and the baby. Um, With the help of, like, Blackwater, right? With the, yeah, we'll get to that later. But okay. yeah, that's part of the whole uh, he does war crimes thing. Right, um, okay. 
Yeah, so basically, it's a, such a strange movie, I thought, because a white savior movie at the end, but it starts, it goes from, it goes from driving Miss Daisy to like Pocahontas <laughs> in the span of its two hour runtime. Like the first hour of the movie is, oh, look at good old Ahmed. These Muslims are people too. They're just like us. They can, they can, uh, they can be good people. They're just like us. They're they're one of the boys, you know. They hang out with us and they uh, go on our little missions and help us out. And they're just helping America fight off that nasty old Taliban. And then the second half of the movie is where it becomes like Pocahontas, and then it becomes like the white man Jake Gyllenhaal has to go back to Afghanistan and and save poor Ahmed from the Taliban and uh, get him back to the U.S. And so it's very strange because it pulls like that 180 on you where he goes from being like the the helpful, you know, the literally the help, the capital H, the help of Jake Gyllenhaal's character. And then in the end, he becomes like the guy who has to get saved at the end. So he 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 can stand on his own and play with the big boys and be a real American until things go too sideways. And then once things are so sideways, then the white guys have to come back in and set the record straight. Please say something. No, that was great. That was great. <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt that perfect uh, description. Well, yeah, I'll start off by saying... I was very confused when I saw the trailers for this movie because I don't know who Guy Ritchie is, actually. Wait, really? Okay, and so every time I kept seeing Guy Ritchie's The Covenant, I literally was thinking of Guy Pierce, and I was like, why would Guy... <laughs> like, why would Guy Pierce make this movie? Yeah, so for the listeners at home who, like Rachel, don't know who Guy Ritchie is, um, I know Guy Ritchie is the guy who made Lock, Stock, Two Smoking Barrels, and Snatch, which are like came like late '90s, early 2000s, which are, uh, you know, like British crime films where everybody's calling each other a fucking cunt. Like everybody's just, oh, I might you fucking kicking the football, and you gotta get down the straight, and like that's how everybody talks, and it's 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 like if Scorsese was a was an was a British guy in London, that's kind of how I would. Uh, describe his early films. Then he sick. did stuff like, yeah, sick. No, no, it's it's like his. Yeah, no, cool. Girls yeah. is great, and Snatch <laughs> is great too. And then he went and did like, I don't know. He got Hollywood eyes, so he did shit like the, he did the Man from Uncle remake, which I didn't see, but people said was like kind of all right. Um, inexplicably, he made the live action Aladdin reboot. A remake oh, for weird. Disney, okay. which is so weird because it's like, I don't know how they decided that guy was the guy to do the Aladdin movie. His most recent hit that people would know is The Gentleman that came out a couple oh, years ago. that's a big one. Isn't that like a franchise kind of mini franchise? Aren't there like a few No, you're thinking of the other English movie that's called The Something, The Kingsman. Yes, I am thinking of The, the Kingsman. Kingsman. So I'm very, no, the I'm gentleman. very confused. <laughs> Maybe not the best guest for a movie podcast. <laughs> yeah, so no, okay, but look, you're on the right track. They're both both English movies with with guys who spend ninety minutes talking like this. And uh but the gentleman had uh Matthew McConaughey and Charlie Hunnam in it. But his movies are usually characterized by like witty dialogue, a lot of swearing, um, a lot of back and forth banter, 
and like that kind of like English style of, of humor where it's, you know, insults based, that sort of thing. Like his movies are all, I wouldn't say they're necessarily like straight comedies, um, but they're usually pretty funny and have a lot of action and are violent. So for when I saw that this movie was like a, a war drama that looked to be like very serious in its tone. I was like, why is Guy Ritchie doing, doing a serious right now? That actually might make sense. So you did say the other night how you're like, Oh, did like AI write this script? But now knowing that he does the witty dialogue of the Brits might make sense. Why I was so confused. Cause I, you could tell he's trying, they're trying to do the witty dialogue where like no one's really like being straight with each other. Right. Like everything they say is some like clever, except it's, it's not clever at all. It's like very, annoying and yeah, not it's like, funny it's it's as if they were trying to do back in the day with like you know jimmy stewart and like uh, um bogart and stuff right where everyone's just kind of this cool slick guy and they're just like talking but everything is kind of a joke and you know and it's very just like witty and like smart ass which is great if you can pull it off but this one was so fucking lame but it felt like that's what they were trying to do and maybe it's because it's his first time doing that for americans and it just doesn't like yeah it's really baffling because they they try to take that um like you said that 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 banterous back and forth dialogue but through the lens of like american jarhead dialogue where everybody's like hey hey numb nuts what's your six and he's like oh i'm always staying frosty big boy and then someone in the background's like yeah because you love sucking nuts and then everyone's like oh did did billy bob just say that about chow chow and he's like, oh, shut the fuck up, yeah, man. Chow, You're going to, I'm going to get you someday. And I don't know why everybody became an <laughs> Italian gangster at the end. But yeah, it's like, I, I, I hate that about these kinds of war movies where everybody has like these dumbass call signs and they have to have like back and forth witty banter. And I, it's, it's both a staple of jarhead movies, but also a staple of like British filmmaking. To, to a degree, it makes sense that he would do something like this. But I think less about the banter is just more that like the movie is so, so self-serious. Like the music, I have to put like a clip of the music or something because the music like made me laugh out loud like at moments because it's like somehow so stock but also so like bold in its weird dramaticness mm -hmm. like the scene where Ahmed is carrying Jake Gyllenhaal like on a wheelbarrow pushing yeah. him up a hill and he's just like <laughs> <laughs> that is like, such a long it's scene so that so scene goes on funny. for so long it's so funny and the music is just like <laughs> <laughs> and he's like Aah! well and it's like it's so funny it's so fucking funny it's so insane and like why is this so like what is i don't understand it was so weird let's go through some uh some key plot points okay. that i think are really funny chronologically so right off the bat i knew we were in for a fantastic movie when the movie begins and we first get a title card that reads ahem 7th October 2001, colon, in retaliation to the 9-11 terror attacks in America, 1,300 troops were deployed to Afghanistan. As soon as it showed up on the screen, I was like, oh, we're in for some funny business here, so aren't we? <laughs> yeah, and so this is not a politics podcast. This is not a history podcast. But um, as soon as I saw that, I was like, well, that's 
technically true to a degree, but it's not being used in this film to set up a historical uh, time and place for what's going on. It's being placed there to make the audience go, oh, okay, so everything in the movie is justified. Like, they can do whatever outrageous thing they want to yeah, in this movie. Yeah, because 9-11. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They can kill as many, like, just random Muslims as they want, and they can say whatever, and like, racist... And they do. And say, like, whatever racist <laughs> shit that they want in the movie. But it's all okay because at the very beginning it reminds you, but don't don't don't, don't forget, this was because of 9-11. Uh, forgetting, you know... Yeah, that, very um, first thing you see on the screen. Forgetting that, you know, Osama bin Laden was uh, actually uh, Saudi and that all the people that were in Al-Qaeda were, you know, in Saudi, were Saudis and they were trained in Saudi Arabia and they were just being held uh, undercover of the Taliban and the Taliban offered to, uh, you know, extradite him for uh, certain co- conditions to the U.S. and Bush said, no, we're going to invade you anyway. But forget it. For, if, you just, if, you push it if you push aside all of that, yes, um, uh, the United States invades Afghanistan be- because of 9-11. As soon as we get that title card, we get this shitty cold open. And we have to talk about the cold open because we talked about the shitty cold opens in movies last week mm-hmm. on Evil Dead. And now it's like, oh, my God, they've done it again, where the movie has this. And I timed it. It's exactly three minutes. Nice. And so we talked about the two minute rule for Netflix, where, you know, they count views for for two minutes of the film and they autoplay things now so that you hope that you start watching it and then get hooked and then don't want to turn it off so they can get those view counts, get the stock boost and all that shit. So. There's an exactly three minute call open after that first title scene. And it instantly I was like, I'm going to hate this movie because it's like Jake, you get it's like Jake Gyllenhaal and he's like chewing on a on a little little toothpick. And it's like text on the screen, you know, Sergeant Jake Gyllenhaal, whatever. And then he says, you know, how's it going over there? Big balls. And then (laughs) and then it says like on the screen, like Tony Big balls, uh, DiGiorno, and he's like, "All good, Sergeant." And then Jake. Yeah, why do we know everyone's names? I don't know. On the, like, yeah, like, no, the it's, it's like, exactly. It was so funny because, and then he would look over, and Jake would be like, "Yeah, how about how about you, uh, Dick Nuts?" And then it says, you know, like James Dick Nuts DiMaggio on the screen. It's like you. I heard you. I heard you. I heard what you said. Like you don't need to put it on the screen every like. And they did this for like a minute. Like every character, he would he would just like say. How about you, name of character? How's it going? Who were in like maybe a third of the movie also? Like, yeah, they all, not, like, they, important all, characters they all die at all. 20 minutes in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they all get names that show up on the screen in big, bold text with their call sign and everything. It was like, do, do they think I'm deaf? Like I literally just listened yeah. to him. Or they're just say, like really proud of the super lame nicknames that they gave they're, they're really, like. They're really proud of, you know, <laughs> Ricky Jizzlobber or whatever these people's <laughs> stupid ass names were. Um, yeah. And so then they have, they go to do a, a check at, uh, at like a toll road and they're inspecting this, uh, truck and then boom, it blows up IED. Um, their interpreter dies, cold open ends. Then it cuts to back at the military base in wherever in Afghanistan. And they're like, one of these guys, some officer goes up to Jake Gyllenhaal and he's oh, like, yeah, as if he's like picking out a dog from like a litter. Like it literally was like yeah, picking yeah. out dogs, like <laughs> adopting was, a dog. Yeah. Like it was yeah. no, so upsetting. It's funny that because I thought of uh, it was like I thought of like those um, you know in like slavery movies where they always have that scene where they're like they line up like five women like as maids and they're yeah. all like 
we've picked the best ones for you, sir. You can come on and look at it. And they like walk up and down the line and they're like feeling like the slaves, like mm-hmm. muscles to be like, oh, this one seems buff enough to like do yard work. I'll take him. Like, yeah, it was like one of those where they have like just like these five dudes, five dudes lined up. And it was so funny because um, the officer goes over to Jake Gyllenhaal and he's all like, uh, hey, we've got like the candidates for the interpreter for the next interpreter lined up. And he says he he says, oh, watch out for that. Uh, that Ahmed one, you know, he's a little he's a little shifty, but you know what? He can speak four languages that are worth speaking. They do not mention which four I languages. Wrote, okay. It's so I literally funny. wrote that down in my notes because I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, what do you which mean? which four languages does he speak, and how yeah. many languages do you need to know for this job? Yeah, which ones are worth speaking? Yeah, it's like it's <laughs> just tell us. Yeah, it's it's like the I could just imagine the screenwriter sitting at his table, be like, he speaks, and then like he realizes like shit i don't know what they speak over there man and then he's just like four languages that are, that are worth speaking, speaking. <laughs> it's like nobody bothered to just go on the internet and be like what language does the taliban speak, speak? Yeah. yeah it's yeah so or they just thought the audience was too stupid to know if he said like oh he speaks you know um Dari and Pashtun and Punjab or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. They just the audience isn't gonna know what the fuck that means. So just say he speaks four languages. So we're already into like the stupid dialogue. Um, they pick Ahmed. They try to do banter, but it's not funny. Jake Gyllenhaal's performance is so strange because he's trying to be like this somber military guy who's like man i hate being in afghanistan and my best bud the other interpreter just died but that's what was so confusing it's like okay he the whole thing right is that he had so much love for this original interpreter who died that that's you know kind of like leading him throughout this after that but then he's such he has no respect for Ahmed at all right like off the bat like he won't even he like specifically won't say his name right right he's like oh it's Ahmed not like Ahmed and he goes okay Ahmed everyone meet Ahmed like he's very specifically being such a victim of no respect but it's like it's just weird it's like so you love this only that one interpreter right but then like everyone else doesn't yeah, deserve they're, they're, even they're like an increment the new guy's balls. yeah they're, like they're an increment of just respect yeah but I mean now nah, they they uh, I don't know. I mean, that makes that to me that feels in line with like I could see them being like, oh, they were so they the other guy was like the brother. And now he's just like the new guy. So everybody's got to be mean to the new new kid in class, whatever. Yeah, I don't know, it doesn't bug me too much. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but what, what they were trying to play. Yeah. I mean, and but what bugs me is just the dialogue is so bad. Like it, it's not you can tell they're trying to be funny. But none of it's funny. Like, none of the banter really lands. Um, so it's strange that they have, like, this back and back and forth, like, military dialogue. And it's just none of it really works for me. Um, yeah, so they do just, like, some... There's some boring-ass scenes where they, like, go into a house and, like, sweep the house and not, there's no bombs. And then, like, Jake Gyllenhaal's, like... He's, like, so exasperated and the music gets so sad. And he's just like, man... I'm tired of this depressing ass job sweeping poor people's houses. It's yeah. like, what poor you Jake. motherfucker? You want me to feel bad for you? Yeah, <laughs> I feel bad for the people whose door you just kicked open and were just like po- waving guns around, being like, "Where are the bombs? Where are the bombs? Where are the yeah, bombs?" Yeah, he's just like so over it. And it's like, well, you could just not do this anymore. <laughs> no, yeah, <it's> like, <laughs> you could stop harassing these people if it's so fucking boring for you. Exactly. To harass and, these people, you could just stop and, doing and that. And that's the whole framework of the movie that it's it's like they want you to feel so bad for Jake Gyllenhaal and. And these these poor army guys who have this miserable job of harassing and terrorizing 
people who are literally living under an occupation it's like i don't feel bad for any of these fucking people like i don't care at all something i noticed was that uh so the actor who plays ahmed is uh his name is dar salim Mm -hmm. and he's a danish guy so he was born in iraq um, and he fled to uh, Denmark with his family when he was like six, I guess. Um, so on the internet, he speaks Danish, Dari, German, and English. Four languages worth speaking. Four languages worth speaking. We're not going to list them, though. And I could not find an interview of him speaking Arabic or Dari or anything. And obviously, I don't speak either of those languages. I'm sure if I, maybe if I Googled, you know, uh, Dar Salim, blah blah blah, like in Arabic, like I maybe would find something, but I couldn't find any interviews of him actually speaking Arabic. I'm not saying he can't, but I am saying I couldn't find any interviews of him speaking <laughs> Arabic or Dari or anything like that. Um, and I noticed that during the movie, every scene where he has to do interpreting. He's wearing a bandana over his mouth. <laughs> Did you notice that as That's well? Fine. Did you notice that? I I was not giving that movie I think close enough attention to <laughs> picked up on the movie, so, but I believe you. There's a scene where I do remember seeing him in a bandana. Yeah, there's a, a there's a scene yeah. like so that very and first And it never really made full sense cuz other people didn't have them on. Yeah. Him. Yeah, no exactly. So in that first scene where they sweep that guy's house, he's wearing a, a a bandana like over over his nose, so just under his eyes. So you can't see anything below his eyes. And they knock on the door and he's like assalamu alaikum like blah 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 and he's and it's all subtitled and i'm like does it what like are we not gonna see like his mouth ain't moving he's just wearing a bandana like i don't think he's talking right now and then <laughs> and then at first i was like was this like one of those things where like the actor had covid but they didn't want to shut down shooting so they were just like just give him a bandana and we're just gonna shoot the rest nice. of the day like that's kind of what i was thinking at first but then there's another scene where it's at night where they're trying to where they bribe uh, mm-hmm. a taliban inf- uh, informant and they're like throwing snacks of cash at him and in that scene too um ahmed is also wearing a bandana over his mouth and you don't see his mouth movement when he's talking i'm just like hang on this is two scenes now and then at, at, towards the end when he's um carrying jake gyllenhaal around uh and he's got in the wheelbarrow uh, no when he when they when they get a, tr- a truck he gets a truck remember this okay. part where i believe you <laughs> he gets a truck because the taliban stop him and they're like my brother we need to commandeer this truck because uh ours broke down so can you give us a ride to so-and-so oh yes 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 yeah. in that scene too he's also wearing the bandana i'm like does this actor even speak this language like did you, <laughs> did you just what like you couldn't find one guy out there so again allegedly uh this man speaks these languages but i've not seen him I in like the movie. The so that was just a funny yeah, detail that I, like I noticed. Starting that rumor. So uh, before the ambush scene, um, Jake Gyllenhaal, to remind you that Jake Gyllenhaal is in fact a family man and not a U.S. occupying uh, <laughs> aggressor or someone who has possibly committed war crimes and killed civilians, they remind you that he's a good family man, but he, yes. he has like a... Love a, a dad. Yeah, he's a dad. He's got his, he goes on the Zoom call with his, mm-hmm. uh, with his wife, who is like the most stock wife character you could possibly come up with yeah. in one of these movies just docile just like oh yeah sure no but she, you do honey yeah no she's literally just like it's it's worse than that because she's she's like whatever you need to do to get them and come back and save our boys is what you gotta do like she's like the the supportive wife who lives you know five thousand miles away who has no impact on anything and exists just mm-hmm. solely to back to be like see you guys character's a good guy he's got kids he's got a wife he's got a concern and look and she's a 
she's a real American wife. She, yeah, and she reminds you why he's out there and uh-huh. who he's doing she's this his for. Connection. He's doing it. He's do it for her. Yeah, not just for the country, but not for the country, but for the wife. So for then, the kids. They go out on an expedition, and it's wait. Sorry, 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 sorry. Just because I, I feel like now we're getting past the scene. I think right. Right before the Zoom call is when he... I don't remember why they're in the cafeteria, but did you pick up that he, like, walks up to some lieutenant? I don't I don't know who this guy is, but some guy, right, in the military? And the guy's, like, grabbing an apple from the um, from the cafeteria, and Jake Gyllenhaal just goes, like, out of... Just walks up, he goes, how you like them apples? <laughs> <laughs> and then they just keep walking and talking about something. <laughs> totally out did that happen i swear to god i like wrote it because i was like i can't forget this (laughs) all of that dialogue it's literally because he grabs an apple and jake john just walks up and he's just like how you like them apples and then they keep walking and just like talking about like whatever (laughs) i (laughs) don't remember that at all so there was there were moments where i think that's the same scene where there's there the lines are going by like so quickly that you kind of skim over that uh uh, Jake Gyllenhaal gets carte blanche to like do whatever horrifying thing he yes. needs to do. It's yes. that scene, right? Yeah. Where he, he's in the office. It's right before yeah. they walk into the yeah. office. And he's, yeah. and he's talking to the guy and he's like, the guy's like, so Sergeant Gyllenhaal, what's the situation? He's like, well, man, I'm going to be honest. My boys, we don't know what we're fighting for and uh, we all hate our lives out here. And he's like, well, you remember, you've got one mission. It's to find those IED factories. <laughs> and he's like, well, I don't know. I don't think like these methods are working. And he's like, you have my authority to do, to use whatever means necessary. And Jake Gyllenhaal's like, I don't think you're going to approve of my methods, sir. And I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Like what is this man plotting? What is he going to do? Like, what does that, what does that mean? Jake, what does that mean? What are you going to do? And they just like give him like the stamp of approval to just like go to skirt whatever, uh, laws of war, whatever humanitarian Mm -hmm. things there might be to just get those IED factories. And this becomes a theme, um, Later in the movie, which we'll come back to. So after that, basically, the movie's very boring and nothing happens. They're just going for a drive and they get ambushed. I think Guy Ritchie's a decent director of action and, like, visuals. And there's this big, the big action set piece where the whole team gets killed mm-hmm. was not exciting at all. So boring. I definitely was on my phone during all of it. And I even, like, rewound it to be like, okay, I actually watch this because you're going to, like, talk about it. And I could, I just, like, literally couldn't get myself to She rewound it in it. the movie theater. She definitely I, did not. They have that feature. That's that for, feature now. <laughs> only at select theaters. Only for an AMC A-list. They yeah, give you yeah, a yeah, personal VIP. remote so you can uh, rewind the movie. Yeah, but it's like... They couldn't even usually these like, look, we all know that these movies are like big American, like propaganda things that are practically written by the Department of Defense. But at least but I am. Look, I get mad at this shit, but I'm also cool enough to just be like, you know what? Entertain me. If, is, if the I'm, I know what I'm going to I'm walking into, just mm-hmm. entertain me. And I don't you can do as much propaganda as you want. And as long yeah, as it's I a decent. Enter- let me have a good time. Yeah. They couldn't even make the big action set piece of the movie entertaining at all. Mm-mm. There's no like fun camera work there's no interesting use of sound there's no no it's, it's just like a bunch of kind of like flat land yeah, and yeah the people like running and this the set decorate there the the art design is not even good like the production design is just 
Oh, uh, okay. It's like a Taliban shack. I don't know. They got some dirt. barrels. Yeah. Dirt. Barrels. <laughs> put a gun on the wall. I don't know. What are the Taliban like? I they guess they just, just like, got live some in holes. Like, oh, the whatever. Taliban just no live culture. in holes, don't they? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. It's just like there's no. There's nothing for the eyes with this. There's no visual interest at all. So it just winds up being like my, I just like, I think my eyes just like lost focus for like five, 10 minutes mm-hmm. as this scene went on. And then everybody dies and the music gets like super emotional again. And this movie was like almost the score came almost entirely from like cellos and strings and strings are extremely emotional instruments. You can get a lot of emotion out of strings, which is why this solo cello that was just like vibratoing the shit out of these notes, just giving you these like, just like, (laughs) so, and it's like, I could just see them in the editing room being like, Oh yeah, this is going to like rip the audience's gut out. And I'm sitting there like, Boring. Like I was just, I was so tuned out. It was just, oh man. Anyways, it's like, oh my god, we lost Chow Chow. (laughs) 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 Exactly. Just like, oh no, not Jizz Face. Oh, they got him. He was my favorite character. (laughs) Yeah, so lame. No one. These people don't matter. The funniest part of that scene, though, is when uh, they go into when they burst into the little Taliban hideout, and uh, they find uh, it's like a surgery bed or like one of those like dentist chairs where you get your dentistry done and like there's a there's a camera on a tripod at the other end and there's like these big dramatic blood stains like it's from doom or something Mm -hmm. and it's like the implication is that they like filmed a torture Torture, video or beheading video or something and they're like i think jake gyllenhaal sees it and he's like these fucking animals and i'm like motherfucker you people did abu Ghraib." literally yeah (laughs) it's all documented yeah like (laughs) oh my god like it's it's so funny but they did that because the taliban did this i forgot it's they they (laughs) are animals it's all Justified. justified so everybody dies in this scene this is about an hour through the movie and I feel like this is when the movie actually started. Like mm-hmm. it felt like it took an hour for the movie to begin. And I'm like, cause I knew from the trailers that this was about, you know, the, the interpreter that saves Captain Gyllenhaal's life. So I thought that was going to be like 20 minutes into the movie. Right. And like, this was like so butchered with the structure and the pacing. Cause it was like an hour until everybody gets killed and it's Jake Gyllenhaal and Ahmed. And then Ahmed's like carrying him around through the mountains. And I thought this was going to be like the bulk of the movie, but Mm -hmm. it ended up being like 10 minutes. Even it feels really long, but it's only like 10 minutes. And then like the, the whole third act of the movie is like super long with Jake Gyllenhaal back in Santa Clarita, uh, trying to figure out how to illegally go to Afghanistan and save him. Yeah. I wonder if either the, I wonder if like the movie started out, mostly of that third act originally and then someone was like oh maybe this is like too like white savory let's have like Ackman carry Jake Gyllenhaal around in like a wheelbarrow for 20 minutes you know <laughs> like or if it was like the opposite and they were like oh no we need like then they like gave the script or whatever to like you know the DOD and they were like oh no you need way more of like because it, it does like it it's like I'm really curious how it was originally like written and shot and then how it was edited because the structure is so 
off. I'm just like, which movie is it trying to be or which movie was it originally yes. trying to be? Yes, because it is it's two movies. Yeah, completely. And I I for some reason I was reading the IMDB reviews, the user reviews. Oh yeah, I read the Google reviews. Oh, <laughs> Who's, who's reviewing this on Google? Um, Just the common man. Yeah. <laughs> Google reviews are, is where the proletariat leave their film reviews. Um, I noticed a lot of people were like, it's like two movies in one. And so it's like, okay, but they were saying that as like a good thing. But for us, it's like, what? that's a bad thing. Like, what is it trying to do? Which movie is it? Is it this uh, Afghanistan war movie or is it this bureaucratic in mm-hmm. Santa Clarita on the phone with uh, customs and immigration for 45 minutes movie. Like, which movie is it? Yeah. Um, but we have to talk about the wheelbarrow scene because yeah, it, it is just incredible. It took everything in my power to not bust up laughing in the theater. So Jake Gyllenhaal's injured. Um, the, the Taliban shoot him. And they like are taking him away. And as he's like, the vision is fading from his eyes and he's about to pass out. Then bang, 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 the Taliban, they drop one by one around him. And who walks into the frame? Who walks into focus? It's Ahmed Ahmed. with his fucking pistol. And he's just murked all the Taliban. And he gets on his knees and he's like, we're going to get you home, Jake Gyllenhaal. Because Jake's his boy you. now. Yeah, they're just, he's treated they're him like total dog best shit this friends. entire time. They became best friends. And so then he's like, we will have to go under the cover of darkness. We will have to go through the mountains. It will be very treacherous, like blah, blah, blah. And the music is like, dan, 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 dan. and it's like starting to get epic. And I'm like, okay, so now we're going to get like the, like a Western style movie mm-hmm. where it's just a dude carrying around another dude on his back and he's going to have to like be sneaky through the mountains and I don't know okay this this is this could be where the movie <laughs> wins me over for entertainment value instead he puts uh he puts Jake Gyllenhaal on a wheelbarrow and starts he gives him some drugs he just oh, wait, gets no, some okay drugs. yeah so the, yeah, he pushes he gets him on a, on a on a wheelbarrow and he finds like another group of uh just dudes chilling in the mountains some mm-hmm. farmers or something and he's like my friend is injured I need anything you can give him to remedy and he's like here take this crack pipe and he gives him like opium and they both smoke it yeah and he gives yeah. him like just straight opium and like uh the pipe and he's just like it just make him smoke this opium he'll be all right and so then he's like just nursing so it's just like this visual of like dying jake gyllenhaal on a wheelbarrow smoking a crack pipe while he <laughs> while like this dude is pushing him through the mountains just, who also smoked the crack pipe which is impressive that he also smoked it and then was and able then got, to no, carry crack, this wheelbarrow the crack oh, gave like, him super strength okay you're right he got that's super strength from the taliban crack like he smoked that shit and then he was like <laughs> I'm a literal god now, and I'm yeah. going to push Jake Gyllenhaal up this steep ass mountain. And the when I say steepest he, of mountains, the steepest of mountains, and when I say he's like grunting, I mean he's grunting. He's like the music is din, 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 and he's like <laughs> just like just just screaming, and he's like bald and sweaty and glistening <laughs> in the sun while he's like. And then my favorite moment is when. He gets like halfway up the mountain and he stops and it's like, oh, he just can't do it. He can't bear. And he like sits down and he like kind of puts like his head in his hands and you're like, oh, no, that's like the point where the audience is like, no, Ahmed, you can do it. I know you got it in you. And then he's just like, you're right. I can do it. And then he gets back up and then the music kicks in and again. And he's yeah. like, oh. 
<laughs> just, just, and he goes back to screaming. And as soon as he gets over the hill, there it is. George W. Bush Air Force Base, Kabul or wherever. Yeah, and just then, perfectly, just right? Perfectly. You know, yeah. Get up that Our, hill. And... and then then that sequence is over. And I was like, I thought that was act two. I thought that was going to be the whole rest of this movie. I thought the whole rest of the movie was him pushing him on a wheelbarrow, <laughs> smoking crack, yeah, hanging sick. with the Taliban, hanging yeah. with whoever to get him back to, to safety. But it's like 10 minutes long and then it's just done. Yeah. Hard cut, Santa Clarita. Except it's not. It's not. Because they show us a, they show us a, a, an image of some skyline, and it says Santa Clarita, California. Absolutely not Santa Clarita. You and I are experts on Santa Clarita, California. yes. <laughs> that shit was not Santa Clarita, California. I really don't even think it was California. Like, I don't know I what, don't it was. Know what so, Like, just phone, you know, they really just phoned that shit in. This movie was shot entirely in Spain. Where is this? I, if, if, if <laughs> you went to, like, Getty Images, and it was just, like, <laughs> you know, like, city, aerial view of city. <laughs> Listeners, if you're at home and you feel compelled to watch this boring-ass movie, uh, if you can identify that city please let us know also let's back up right because okay so it's first it says like three weeks later right and he like wakes up in a hospital kind of you see his like blurry pov in the hospital and you see that for like two seconds and then it's like four weeks later santa clarita and i was like did we like did we did we need to see the three weeks later and then four weeks later like did we need to know you know it was like it was like yeah obviously he woke up this like we like trying to make me do math now three <laughs> weeks then four weeks you're it's telling like me see- this is seven weeks later <laughs> <laughs> like if we see him we know he woke up like we just didn't need that like the back to back you know yeah like what movie says three weeks later and then two minutes later says four weeks later it's like what like how what are we doing okay like (laughs) cool so he wakes up and uh he's talking to his buddy who comes over he's like hey man how are you doing how's the recovery and he's like oh i'm doing great good thing ahmed got that visa to the united states that he was promised uh he would get as a reward for enlisting as a translator and then the other guy's like actually nope. <laughs> he doesn't have those visas because he's on the taliban's most wanted list and he's in hiding yeah he's fucked and then jake john was like what i mean we got to do something about that i have which to is, save my life yeah which is so upsetting because it's like he just like assumed that like he didn't have any type right and, and i don't was... under, i don't understand why he would go into hiding like are you telling me he walked all the way through the mountains to the U.S. military base, to the U.S. military base where he is employed. Yeah, and then just like dropped off Jake Gyllenhaal's like, body and was just like, "All right, guys, I'm heading to the mountains now. My work here is done." Like you did, you wouldn't just yeah, stay on the now. fucking United States military base where like all the weapons are and just be like, "I'm gonna hide out here because." Uh, I'm employed by you guys, but also because the Taliban are after me and they probably won't come after me if I'm on the U.S. military base. Yeah. But instead he's like, yeah, but instead he's just like, well, I guess I have to go hide in the mountains now, like inexplicably. So the idea that they lost Ahmed over the course of seven weeks. The last time we saw him was with, yeah, exactly. Was with the military. Yeah. Dude loses. And then we get this absolutely (laughs) hysterical. Hysterical scene where he goes bay mode. It feels or, or like Nick Cage, right? It's like he's doing oh, his like Nick yes, Cage yes, yes, like breakout moment. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, no, that's perfect. It is a Nick Cage moment where like he he gets on the phone with with customs and immigration or whatever, and he's like, "No, I'm trying to get a visa for." 
Ahmed Abdullah. And they're like, sir, please lower your voice. And he's like, I'm not going to lower my voice at you. There's a man in a cave. And like, he's just like, squ- like unhinged. It is so <laughs> funny. Unhinged. It is an insane. I think I wrote down the quote. He screams into the phone. There is a fucking man <laughs> stuck in a goddamn cave. And he just screams that. And it's so funny. Like, how is like, I couldn't figure out. I was like, is this like, is this supposed to be funny? And it's, and it is, but because it's bad, or is it supposed to be funny? Like, like but, that, what? but that totally really like doesn't work because it no it is a guy stuck in like yeah it a is a guy stuck in a like it is really shitty yeah, it is. you know yeah. so it's like not yeah like both ways are bad it's either just terrible filmmaking or like fucked up you know right so I'm like I don't know if this is supposed to be funny on purpose or not but it was such a jarring scene to watch him scream there's a man stuck in a cave and then they're like we're gonna have to put you on hold sir and. It's so funny. And then... Yeah, that's kind of like a montage, right? Of like him being it is like a put on hold. Yeah, and he gets like progressively more drunk. And there's a scene where, where he's like, you know, holding the empty scotch glass in one hand. And he's like, what's your supervisor's name? I'm going to fucking find him and kill him. There's a man and... Stuck in a cave. And then he like falls on the phone and like passes out because he's he's just he's so racked with the guilt that he's turned to alcoholism. He's destroying himself yeah. over his love for this man that he was so rude to so rude. <laughs> up until Wouldn't that point of the film. Right. Yeah, belittled him. <laughs> Tell him, him he's out of his what is he like, you're out of your element, Ahmed. Or like because yeah. so, like Ahmed, there's a point in time where he's the only one. Who knows how to do anything? Yeah, right. Everywhere they go, it's just like yeah, he's like, "Don't like, you disobey me again?" Yeah, like, know yeah. Your and it's place. like you're like, out blah, of blah, your blah. yeah, like you're out of your league, you're out of your element, you know, for literally saving their lives. But yeah. now all of a sudden, yeah, I know the wheelbarrow scene really brought them together. It did while yeah. he was unconscious and high off his ass. Yeah, <laughs> and um, there's a there's a really funny moment after that where he's lying awake in bed. It's like midnight, right? He's asleep in his bed. He's like sat up in bed. His wife like wakes up and is like, honey, what's wrong? You can't sleep. And there's like moonlight coming in through the shade. So it's all like dark blue day for night tone. And he's like, the camera slowly creeps in on him as he goes on this monologue about this man giving up his life and saving him, whatever. The last thing he says in this in this monologue is, I am a man who gets no rest. I should be in that hole. And then the, and then the, yeah, and then the camera just like <laughs> slowly zooms back out. It's so funny. It's like, like you okay, if you're going to do this long zoom in while he's doing this monologue, then you hold. You hold on his <laughs> face at the end. Out. You hold, and then, but then it's like, oh, oh, oh st- st- Still rolling, still rolling. And it's like, like back. Uh, we have nowhere else to yeah, go. Yeah, it's like just backed up, and then it just backs up all the way, and then the scene ends. And you're like, what? It's so funny. So the, just the the way that scene is directed is baffling, and especially that line, "I am a man who gets no rest." Again, yeah, it's like he's a real motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. It's like, dude, you, you were just saying there's a man stuck in a cave. Yeah, I feel bad for that guy. I don't yeah, feel bad you're for you. In ass. a bed in a nice house, and you're nice. Santa create a home with her nice wife. Yeah, it's like, it's crazy. He he gets a private military contractor to forge his passport to give him a new identity to get new papers mm-hmm. so that he can illegally enter Afghanistan without being 
uh, noticed by the U.S. military so yes. that he can rendezvous with this um, uh, this private military operation to then go and extract Ahmed himself. But the thing is, they want too much money, and Jake Gyllenhaal doesn't have money because he's just a he's a good old working man. By the mm-hmm. way, aside from being in the military, his his wife owns this like auto shop or some shit. Um, Which yeah, and so the, whatever. yeah, whatever. <laughs> moving on, and uh, <laughs> uh, and there's and she's a uh, there's a scene where he's all somber, and she goes to him, and she's like, "You're Jake freaking Gyllenhaal. You don't give up." I know who you are. You've got it in you. So we're going to do anything to get that man back. We're going to remortgage the house. Mm-hmm. I'm going to donate my plasma. We're going to do every and like she literally says we're going to remortgage the house yeah. so that you can get money to go do war crimes. Yeah. Like what a supportive wife, honestly. Yeah. She's like literally just anything it takes for you to go uh commit crimes against humanity. Yeah. I think she just it. like doesn't like him also. <laughs> She's like no honey, like you're too, like you're doing this for the family. Like stay out there. You know, like, oh, no, I don't really, really mortgage the house to get you back over there. Yeah, like, really? She's just got, like, some hot Santa Clarita mm-hmm. side piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The mechanic. Yeah, the mechanic. Yeah, the mechanic <laughs> at the body shop. And then you just like, now that he's gone. Yeah. Back don't worry, he ain't coming back. Back to save, back to save his, his boyfriend. <laughs> so, yeah, they literally remortgage the house so that he has money to pay um, Blackwater. Blackwater, yeah. To then get to Afghanistan and go undercover. Mm-hmm. He finds him in like which, and an they find hour. him because they have surveillance everywhere. Like I feel like that part really showed. Just like thank God we have like drones and cameras and like creepy Big Brother eyes, like absolutely everywhere. Because they're just like, oh, you want to see this? Okay, dupe. And you just like it's just like you motherfuckers have cameras in like every part of this country. Like, but what's craziest about that is that. Um, there's this whole, I mean, it, it kind of, it's that same message early on where like, like this theme of, you know, the United States bureaucracy is preventing America for doing what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And so then this happens again where, you know, the, the immigration system is just too complicated. Oh, the U S military won't help, uh, get this hero back. So we're just going to have to enlist private military contractors to do this illegally because the government's just it's no good we have to do this on our own it's like vigil it's vigilante justice yeah like what we're doing is good the mission is good it's just the bureaucracy is bad no exactly exactly so it's like when the u.s bureaucracy fails Blackwater is here for you can to always pay someone. forge your papers, <laughs> illegally smuggle you into the country, and then apparently they find him within an hour. Yeah. For seven he was lost for seven weeks. No, mm-hmm. but more, because then there was weeks of him getting drunk and trying to trying to find him. Nobody could find him. The the US government, the incompetent US mm-hmm. military that has drones everywhere and spies everywhere couldn't find him for potentially months. But as soon as Jake Gyllenhaal rolls up with Blackwater, oh yeah. Right here. Let's just check drone two. Oh, look, there he is. There he is. He's one of, you know, one of the Blackwater guys. And when he like finds out they actually have to go out there, he's like, oh, I like finally get to get my boots dirty. Yeah, he says that. He says that. He literally says that. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, my God. You, it's like, yes, you're the you animals. People. People. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Like, you're the animals. <laughs> you were standing around. Finally, get to go shoot some people. Yeah. And Jesus Been Christ. here watching them. For <laughs> watching yeah. them on my screens. I got to go kill them. <laughs> 
Jake Gyllenhaal finds Ahmed, his wife, and his daughter. They extract him. They steal a truck. They're driving away. They don't really. They don't get ambushed, but they just get like they get bested by the Taliban. Basically, there's just too many of them. They're surrounded on all sides. And then there's like this big, like epic slow motion moment. So they're they're on this bridge. They're on the middle of this bridge, and there's Taliban on both sides. And uh, Ahmed and Jake Gyllenhaal and the wife and the baby are on this bridge taking shelter under this like overhang. And there's bullets flying from both sides, it's and it gets really slow mo. And he's looking over at Ahmed, and Ahmed's looking over at him. And literally, the baby is crying, and it shows the crying baby while like these bullets are flying by. And then a literal massive gunship shows up. So wild. And it just blows these people away. I was literally, I was sitting in the theater like, holy shit. Like, it was not tasteful. It was just like. It just blows up those bodies. Like, all of them. It was. In a second. Yeah. Imagine shooting a machine gun at like uh, a wall of blown up balloons. Just like, pop, 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 pop. Just like people popping like water balloons just left and right while this this horrifying gunship is like circling them and just murdering everybody and then it's horrifying like it's it's insane it's yeah. so violent it was so violent i was like oh my god and then um they save the day and then they land and then they're just like if i had known you were jake gyllenhaal doing this the whole time you would have got this for free and dun, 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 epic music and then they uh they hand in a, in a super funny moment again they say they say like we got Ahmed his visas and they hand him like a plastic bag and he turns it over and he sees for him his wife and his kid he sees three United States passports and mm. I'm like that's not a visa. That's a passport. <laughs> like what? Like they just gave these people like citizenship. We're just funny because yeah, they gave like, it. What? Yeah, such big. It was just like this, like yeah, really big moment of this like golden ticket, like the reveal. Like yeah, and like did the filmmakers not know the difference between a passport and a visa? Yeah, the whole movie they're talking about visa, 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 immigration visa, visa, and visa. Very clear passport. Yeah, and it's very clearly like two blue ass gold embossed United States passports and it mm-hmm. says like united states like united states of america on it it was just like what like what the, the attention to detail in the filmmaking is just so poor yeah and then um they get in the in the gunship and they're looking eye to eye and they're just like Ahmed gives him like a bro nod and jake gives him a bro nod and then he leans back and he falls asleep because he can finally rest knowing that they saved Ackman. Not only save Ahmed, but they're taking him to America, the Land best the country in the, the world. Because even when he like when he finds him, right, and then he's like, "Oh shit!" Like Jake Gyllenhaal's here. He's like, "I'm gonna take you home," and he kind of Ahmed kind of looks around and he's like, "Oh, like that's a shame. Like I kind of like it here." And I couldn't, and like Jake Gyllenhaal gives this look, like, "Haha," you know, like yeah, you know, and like, I couldn't have like cute, like they were. It just felt shitty, right? Like, yeah, like just, God forbid someone wants to live in their the home country, country yeah, they were with born their in. culture and wants it to be a better place. It's like, no, you it's stupid like, dude, idiot. I'm taking you to you, America, you Yeah, idiot. like yeah. stupid. No, yeah, you don't want to like live it here. here. Just yeah. dirt. <laughs> yeah, dirt everywhere. so stupid. And then um, after that, uh, you get the title card at the end that says, you know, The Covenant, and it has like the definition. It's like a bond, a pact, a pledge, or whatever. <laughs> And, you know, I understand the behind the scenes reasons, I guess, for naming it 
they didn't want to name it the interpreter because I guess there's some other movies called the interpreter. But when I think of the covenant, I think of like the covenant weird to call this movie the coven like the interpreter just made so much more sense and i feel like they should just just make a guy rishi's the interpreter if you're gonna make it right the right why there was already other movies called, with the interpreter yeah if there was all if there were already so many other movies called the covenant that you had to call it guy Ritchie's the covenant why don't you just call it guy Ritchie's the interpreter so the the title is so strange um the final kicker in the movie though is in the montage of them getting the passport visas and going on the plane and everything, you get some more text on the screen that says like in, uh, what was it? September, August of 2022, the United States ended its 20 year campaign in Afghanistan. No biggie. Second slide. One month later, the Taliban took control. Uh And I actually laughed. Like I laughed in the theater. It was so funny. And the sinister part of that is that it's not saying that to have any kind of like self-awareness about the insanity of the U.S. invasion and occupation of Afghanistan. There's no reflection on the disaster that the war was, that the place is abjectly worse now than it was before the invasion. No, it, they put that up there to be like, it was a mistake to leave. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to look at what happened. Yeah, the yeah, second exactly. we're not there, and it's just exactly. Taliban. They want the audience to leave the film going like, damn, we should have never left that place. Whoa, uh, we were doing so well. Like, it's, yeah, the propaganda in the film is is not subtle. Yeah, and then I guess after that, right, then the final title card, I think, is like how all these like interpreters were like left left there like without visas right which i which is maybe like trying to no steer you- no it's not even that it uh. literally it says like over the 20 years it says 300 interpreters have been killed by the taliban all right no, it, it <laughs> or in hiding it, yeah. right or in, or in hiding right. like that. it's like but again, it would have going all back to the Taliban. yeah it would have made more sense to be like and to because usually this kind of movie would end on the like and there are still 10,000 interpreters who haven't gotten their visa. So the audience goes like, damn, I can't believe the U.S. We're doing it to those people like that. Some, something needs to be done about this social issue. That would make more sense. But instead, it's just like, don't Taliban. forget the Taliban have killed so many interpreters over the years. We got to get back there. Like, bro, if you if your fucking assholes hadn't invaded, they wouldn't need to be these interpreters. interpreters that, yeah. yeah, like it's <laughs> to turn this country against each other. God, it's so insane. And then it shows all those uh, as the credits are rolling. It shows all the pictures of the military guys with their pet uh, interpreters. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. As the credits are rolling, there's a it, it shows real life photos from uh, Afghanistan of like you know just the good old boys cooking barbecue or whatever, giving the thumbs up to the camera and like. But then their a lot of them, the, interp- the interpreters' faces are blurred out, which obviously they must have just like not gotten the like clearance or something. But it definitely yeah. makes it look like more like sketchy. oddly sinister. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So weird. It felt like a movie nobody wanted to make. Mm-hmm. So then my question is, why did this movie get made? Yeah. Who's behind this movie? Because even when you see bad movies sometimes, like, this is not a fair comparison. But when you think about, like, The Room, you know, <laughs> the, what makes The Room so compelling as a bad film is that it's clearly made by a guy who really gives a shit and who thinks he's making an incredible work of art. He's mm-hmm. just not. The movie's just bad. But this is like, 
I never got the sense that Guy Ritchie thought he was making like a compelling movie or that Jake yeah. Gyllenhaal felt like, yeah, this is a story that needs to be told. Okay. The whole thing I do was think just Jake Gyllenhaal so loved playing that part though. Look, I do think Why? Jake Gyllenhaal has translated. Look at his Instagram. I'm telling you, every single photo is not only like of the covenant, but it's him being like, oh yeah, we like visited these like soldiers. This is for you. And then now he's part of this, like he's doing fundraising for all these like military. It's like, it's like Tom Cruise, right? It's like, he thinks he's actually like military now. It's like, you play the part enough times and now you're like, actually like a soldier. Like he, you know, he's just a stupid Hollywood actor, but now he's like, oh no, I'm like, this is like bigger than me. Like now I'm you know, one of the freedom fighters. I mean, this is going to sound just so stupidly obvious now, but I think the biggest problem with the movie is that it doesn't actually attempt to grapple with the Afghanistan war or with the U.S. involvement with the Afghanistan war. It's not trying to tell a story that makes the audience reflect on the insanity of it in a way that Vietnam movies tend to Mm do. This movie had none of that. It had no, like, what was the point of the Afghanistan war? What was, what was the, especially now that it's ended. Yeah. And it was clearly a disaster. There's, there was no more arguing that the Afghanistan war was like a righteous war. Right. But we, so now we can just give it justification, right? Which is just what this felt like. Right. They like throw, it's like, it's weird. It's like apologia for, it's like, imagine if, um, imagine if you watched a Vietnam war movie that started with, on September 7th, uh, 1960, during a routine patrol, uh, the Viet Cong sunk a, uh, uh, a U.S. destroyer off the Gulf of Tonkin. You know what I mean? Because that's, you know, mm-hmm. the, that's the alleged inciting incident of the Vietnam War. Yeah. And then, like, there was a Vietnam War, and then it ended with, you know... In 1975, or I should know that date, in 1970, whatever, uh, the U.S. completed its, its, its mission in Vietnam. Next slide. One month later, the Communist Party of Vietnam mm-hmm. took control of the island. Like You'd be like, what? Like That would be baffling, right? It would yeah. be baffling to make a Vietnam War movie in the style of this movie. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's that... Uh, the Afghanistan war is just if we're not far removed from it yet to be able to actually make art and media that grapples with it or if people just don't want to because it seems like with Vietnam it was very quick mm-hmm. like oh, I can't think of what what year Deer Hunter was but I want to say it was late 70s early 80s Apocalypse Now I think was like 77 or something mm-hmm. so only a few years after the vietnam war had ended maybe we. but just- i also think there's more now that whole like culture there i think everything was a lot more like i feel like government and hollywood are way more intertwined now right and just like culturally any movie from the 70s versus like the big movies now right that was a whole like counterculture thing right like i just think that they all were always kind of like pushing back somewhat and now i mean i just think like most movies are just like going with the flow of what the you know of like yeah it like could be more, but it, more pro-government just generally yeah it, it could be i think that's true but i would have to think that at some point we're going to have to get a, a war movie about the 9-11 wars about Iraq, about Afghanistan. Well, not if we want to use any of their helicopters in it. Okay, yeah, so that's a great point. So um, 
something that I don't think very many people know, but any movie that uses United States military assets, whether it's a Air Force base, whether if it's a tank, whether it's a, a, a platoon of guys, whatever, you have to you sign away final cut rights to your film to the Department of Defense. It is not an exaggeration to say that every movie that features the U.S. military is inherently a propaganda movie because it must be approved at the end of the day by the Department of Defense. Yeah. This is a real thing. I know you know this, uh, but yeah, I'm just, yeah, yeah, this is a real thing. And um, there is, let me see if I can find it. There are public records of films that have used these assets. I mean, you, all of them, if you watch a movie and if you see an F-22 fly by, uh, the the DOD had final say on that movie. That's it, that's shortened, but that's basically how it works. So we got Battle Los Angeles, Transformers: Dark of the Move, the Moon, Battleship, Dave, In the Line of Fire, The Green Berets, The Right Stuff, Tuskegee Airmen, Judgment in Berlin, Hunt for Red October, Mac and Me. That's hilarious. Mac and Me. Mac and Me. My professor was the editor. Oh, yeah, professor was the editor yeah. of Mac and Me. Yeah, yeah, and we actually watched. We did like a drinking game at the end of the semester. Oh my god, <laughs> that movie! That's yeah. so funny. Uh, the Rocketeer, Patriot Games, Black Hawk Down, Jurassic Park Three, Wings, Indiana Jones, and the Last Crusade. Uh, Twelve O'clock High, Torpedo Run to the Shores of Tripoli. I mean, this is this is all uh, uh, alphabetical order. So I'm just scrolling down from up. But Saints of Iwo Jima, of course, you know, Rules of Engagement, Killing Fields, Prisoner of War, Pride of the Marines, Angels Flight. Yeah. So the, and the, point the more is, obvious ones, like obviously the Top Guns, the yeah, Marvel obviously movies, Top like Gun. all of those are gonna um, have it. Yeah. So I mean, these movies are literally if if your movie has to be approved by the U.S. government before it's it's released. It's a propaganda film. Even if it the story has nothing to do with anything, in this case it does. Mm-hmm. But even if you're talking about a movie that doesn't, like Mac and Me, you can't argue, like, look, I know we're stretching <laughs> it here, but it's hard to argue that Mac and Me is a propaganda movie. If you watch Mac and Me, you'll be like, what's the propaganda? But at the same time, if the DOD had to, you know, like sign off on the yeah, usage yeah, of it, yeah. by the definition, technically, you, you technically yeah. the government approved or not that movie. So, But I, I think that's also the confusion with these movies and why, like on top of, yeah, just like sucking because they're propagandic, whether they're just not entertaining or maybe just like aren't as enjoyable. Because it's like, it's a weird thing to be like, okay, these like, the Taliban is this like ultimate like enemy, right? The, the scary monster. Okay, and that's why we had to invade, and that's why all these interpreters are screwed over and all this stuff. But then it shows, like, our weaponry, and it always, like, shows how, like, fucking badass and cool, like, right? Like, American troops are, and how, like, literally, like, we can just, like, do, you know, fly our plane over them and kill, like, 30 of them all at once. No, but so remember, it's just- that was Blackwater. <laughs> oh, <laughs> See that's the, that, again that's that's the point. It's the point is the American military just can't get it done. We got to mm-hmm. take matters into our own hand. We got to Batman the Middle East. Right. We got to go Batman on Afghanistan. Yeah. Where the government fails, Blackwater steps in to save the day. Too much bureaucracy. Too much bureaucracy. What? Um. How many stars do you give it? 
Or how many popcorns do you give it? How many popcorns do you give? Um, if I had to give it out of five stars, my gut says one star. But at the same time, if I looked at it and said one star, I'd be like, well, it's not that bad. It's just... It's just so much nothing, you know what I yeah. mean? It's a nothing movie. Like, it's not so bad. It's true. It's I like, actually would. So I've noticed if I look at, like, ratings, like, um, you know, the IMDb or Rotten Tomato or whatever, you know, usually if it's, like, 80 or above, it's it's good. Or even if I don't like it, it's not my type of movie. You, it's like, but it's, you know, really well-made type of movie, even if it's not my cup of tea. And then if it's really low, like 10%, I usually love it because it's just like so fucking wacky, right? And out there and like you're saying with The Room or like some wacky Nick Cage movie or, you know, just something where it's just like so crazy or like so bad that it's good. But it's this like in between, I think between like 30 and like 60 that is just like boring, right? That it's like yeah. enough people like like it because it's not terrible. You're like, oh, oh, you know, like there's nothing like interesting enough about it to make it that bad. But and so it's just I feel like I would almost rate it in between there just because those tend to be the movies I like hate, like hate the most. Yeah, I think that, I think that's 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 pretty accurate. Like it's not so bad that it's like terrible, but it's not it's not good. So it's just, it's, I think the worst kind of movie is this kind of movie, the kind of movie that's mediocre, the kind Mm -hmm. of movie in the middle, because you always remember the movie that you go and see that you love because you love it and you'll never forget it. You always remember the movies that you'll go and see that you hate because you'll hate it and you can't forget it. I'll never remember. Sorry. I'll never forget. (laughs) I'll never forget watching Transformers fucking Revenge of the Fallen in the theater and hating my life and hating myself and being like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. I'll never forget that. I've probably forgotten a bunch of movies that were just mid as hell. And this movie is just so boring, so middle of the road, so much nothing, not terribly inoffensive in a filmmaking way, Mm -hmm. one way or another, that it's just like, I don't know why this movie got made. No one seemed to care. I don't know how it got made. No one seemed to care about putting effort into it or promoting it that much. So it's like, it's just a big fucking nothing movie. I don't know. Two yeah. stars, one and a half, whatever. Okay. One to two I give two it stars. half? Okay, half a popcorn, but unbuttered. And a spilt <laughs> Salted? soda. Yeah. Salted? Salted, but, but unbuttered. No Sal- yeah. Ooh. Do you want to plug yourself for any anything? <laughs> That's so fun. <laughs> no. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Rachel doesn't want to plug herself. You can't find her anywhere. She's not on the internet. Well, all right. Thank you so much, Rachel. The first woman, the covenant, Guy Ritchie's the covenant. Jizz face. Jizz face. Bye. (laughs) 